Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Yo, 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 welcome back to the Celtics Block Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by my boy and regular co-host, Mr. Tim Shields. It's Easter Sunday. I'm kind of full through the chocolate. I had a bit of a nap earlier, I'm not going to lie. It was meant to be like a 30-minute nap. It turned into like a five-hour nap. So that was technically That's how they all start. Yeah, it was That's a sleep, all start, man. It was, I'm going to put, I'm going to close my eyes just for a little while. Boom, it's five hours have passed and I'm hungry. And I'm like, where's the sunshine gone? Back to the mashed potatoes and the ham. Oh God, I love food. How's life treating you, Tim? How's it going? Doing all right. I went out for a little bit of a run today, just trying to enjoy the sunshine. Finally had a nice day. Had some rain earlier in the week, so just happy to enjoy a nice, relaxing Sunday, man. Relaxing Easter Sunday. You have to add the word Easter in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But other than that, like, there's still not much going on. I mean, we've got that horse competition happening later today. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I want to see how Paul Pierce does in it, personally, because I feel he's one of those guys that's going to pull some, like, weird shots. Yeah, I mean, I'm super happy I can wake up in the morning and there's actual basketball content. I can kind of be like, yo, I need to watch this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> did, you, did you watch any of the ESPN stuff, like with the NBA 2K tournament? I watched a little bit of the, some of the clips online, but I... I kind of want to sit down and watch it only because I've been immersing myself in NBA 2K myself. Okay, so we don't get ESPN as a channel here, which really, really frustrates me, like dramatically wow. really gets to me. We can get the ESPN player, but it's, they've designed it to like European markets. So it's like none of the stuff I want is on there. So I won't pay for it. Like there's no, I can't watch First Take on there. So I can't what? get my – exactly, I can't get my Stephen A. Um, there's no the jump that's not on there so um, I'm kind of like it's like 20 pounds a month so it's like 24 dollars a month and I'm like yo none of the content that I want is on there so I'm not paying for it so, you gotta uh, use reddit man I did not I did not endorse illegal streaming but you should use illegal streaming <laughs> I can't that's the worst part is you said you don't have Hulu but like people can get ESPN through Hulu but because you can't get access to Hulu, you're absolutely pooched in this situation. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is as well, I'd need it to have like um, like a DVR or, a, you know, where I can set it to record because the time that first take or the jump's on, I'm usually at work or I'm asleep. <laughs> That's a whole mood. So it's, um, it's not good, dude. The one thing that has come out this week, though, to kind of talk about some basketball content because we actually have some basketball content, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, once again, Rudy Gobert just making news. Oof. And not the worst way possible, but it's it's not as bad as the first time, but it's it's bad. It's bad. So for any of you guys that have kind of just been waiting for any kind of basketball content or something to consume, apparently Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's relationship is beyond restoration. They're not fixing that. They don't like each other. Donovan Mitchell not happy that Rudy Gobert had acted the way he did. This is all reports. I don't know. I haven't spoke to either of them personally, although that would be awesome. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But from the reports, it looks like the Jazz would rather keep 
Mitchell over Gobert. And there has been some, I wouldn't say rumors, but the Twitterverse definitely got into a spin quite quickly. And Celtics Twitter began a debate whether or not the Celtics should make a move for Mr. Gobert himself. I'm against it. I know Tim's a little bit more for it than what I am. I mean, so here's the thing. With, with the whole situation between Mitchell and Gobert, a lot of it comes down to the fact that Mitchell, as you said, was very upset with the way that Gobert was being childish. We've all seen the video. If you haven't, go check it out. That being said, he went ahead and was touching microphones for all the interviewers after a post-game interview. And after that point, they started testing people because Gobert turned out to be positive. And after that point, they also found out that Donovan Mitchell was sick with COVID-19. They are right next to each other in the locker room. Their lockers are right next to each other. Now you have a potential perennial all-star in Donovan Mitchell, who you just drafted right after you lost Gordon Hayward in free agency. If he's unhappy with someone, you have, from a Jazz perspective, you have to say, Go Bear is out. But the real problem with that is trying to figure out where he's going to land. So naturally, of course, NBA Twitter decides, you know what? You know who needs a center? The Boston Celtics need a center. So let's go ahead and try and get Rudy Gobert to Boston. And I am so lukewarm on the idea for multiple reasons. If you even just set aside all the stuff that he did with the microphones and the way he handled that situation, I will give him credit. I, I will go ahead and give him credit for giving the donations that he did. That was a very good thing to do. but. He's only doing it because he made himself look like a schlub. See, I don't think he made a mistake. He was asymptomatic, and it was at a point in time where not even just in America, but in a lot of places in the world that were still unaffected, where it was still not taken as seriously as what it should be. It was an unnecessary gesture. It was was an unnecessary risk. And it it doesn't matter if he was asymptomatic, asymptomatic or not. It's just he could have easily gotten it from the microphones. He could have easily, if he didn't have it, then he could have, gotten it from other people and it, it doesn't matter if he had COVID-19 or not it was just it was a recklessly stupid thing to do and in hindsight because he tested positive for it it just makes him look all the worse now that being said I'm not going to hold it against him too much it was a very dumb thing to do that is without question but getting back to the actual physical basketball part of it I don't look the only thing that fits with Rudy Gobert in terms of the Celtics system is that he is a defensive-minded big man who is an all-star and has is a former defensive player of the year and is, for the past few years, been in the conversation consistently. The main issue that I have with it beyond just those COVID-19-related stuff, I just don't see it from a basketball fit. And I know that Adam is going to agree with me on this, but – the Celtics don't necessarily need a rim protector in the terms of Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is incapable of switching. He gets killed in the pick and roll. We've seen him get exposed in the playoffs. He gets ripped apart. Like Adam definitely has more, a little bit more statistical analysis on that factor because I know that he is very adamant on him not landing here, but beyond just the logisticals of trying to trade for a guy like Gobert, I don't see him fitting here scheme wise. He won't fit at all as far as I'm concerned. Not with the way the lineup's currently constructed. Mm-mm. I just don't see it happening. So when you look at his defense, that's fine. But as you said, he's not going to switch. So now you're going to change your switch everything system to a four-man switch and one-man sag. 
So you're effectively constantly keeping Gobert around the low helpline in the paint and moving up as far as the high helpline, which is around about the free throw line or just underneath towards the shoulder of the of the key. On either side of the floor, it doesn't matter which side you put him on. But at the same time, if you come up against a bigger that's going to drag him out of that per- onto the perimeter and then you're going to put him in a pick and roll, he does have the lateral quickness to catch back up with you and he is a shot blocking machine. Let's give him his dues. But outside of being a solid rim protector, and obviously he, he, the ball magnetizes itself to his hand coming off the glass just because of the size of him, he doesn't offer the Celtics much in ways of a... He's definitely an upgrade, but he's not an upgrade that's going to give you a championship ceiling. He's an upgrade that's going to solidify what you've got right now. For me, there's other centers out there that that may be available should the right package come along that would be far more enticing, would fit better, and would genuinely elevate you to championship contenders. I'm not going to name who because that's going to destroy an article I'm writing right now, so you can keep your eyes peeled for that. We will talk about that in an upcoming episode, I promise. However, looking here's some stats for you. So pretty much throughout all of Gobert's career, he shots exclusively come at the rim. He's not really shooting pull-ups. He's not really letting go floaters. He let go 53 shots from short mid-range, which is anywhere from four foot out to the free throw line this season. He only made 15 of them. He does his work on the low post and around the rim. How does that help the Celtics offense? Other than him offering vertical spacing when he's rolling off the pick and roll, He's not offering any form of pick and pop. He's not offering any form of horn set. If you run a horn set with him, you know that he's going to be the roller so you can play drop coverage on him when he comes off that horn set. He's, all he's going to do, I don't think he's going to be the type of guy to seal like Tice does, although that's something pretty easy you can learn, but Tice has become a master of that, that, that low block seal. On offense, he really would clog the lanes. And for me, I want a, a big that offers enough of a threat from long range to open those driving lanes for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I want those guys having a free lane to the basket every time with a big that can roll in, seal off, so there's no contest around the rim. Gobert isn't that. He's going to have so much gravity to him because of the threat he poses around the rim that the lanes are going to start getting clogged. And then you're going to see Jason Tatum having to pull up from mid-range, which is what we were screaming for him not to do last year and what he hasn't done so much of this year. But he'd have no choice because of the amount of bodies that would be in the paint because of Gobert's presence there. I really don't want Gobert. Yeah, he doesn't have that versatility. And as you said, with the, with the pick and pop, that's something that Daniel Tice has really gotten better at. And from what we've seen this year from Daniel Tice is just massive steps forward in how he's able to be a part of this offense. He has that perfect niche. And at his pay rate, he's a perfect fit. You know what the cap hit is for Rudy Gobert? $25 million. $20 million. And granted, he's a great player, but he's not worth that. Not in this day and age of the NBA. He can't hit a three. As you said, he's not a great jump shooter, and he exclusively works in the paint, which is not a bad thing, but it would involve the Celtics changing massive parts or entire structures of both their offensive and defensive schemes. Now, he is a shot-blocking machine, as you said. There's no denying that. He is a very impressive rim protector. But 
the Celtics need more than a rim protector at this point. They need a mobile big man, one who's able to run the floor, who's able to handle the ball, who's able to take switches, who's able to hit the three. If you're not able to make that in this day and age in the NBA, it's going to be really difficult for someone to go out and pay you. You know, there are plenty of other big men that I've seen play that aren't getting paid $25 million a year anymore. It's just not happening. Dinosaurs are dying out rapidly. Yeah, so the money's going to the wings and to the guards. It's not going to the big man anymore because the big man's job now is to provide floor space and grab boards and protect the room. They're not as rel- teams aren't as rel- reliant on bigs as what they were in the late 90s and early 2000s when there was a dominant batch of big men that could just bone crunch down low. Side note, Rudy Gobert's on Instagram Live right now with Vincent Poirier. Interesting. Only talking <laughs> French, but there we go. I like that, though. That is very memeable. That is some truly wholesome content. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. Like, I don't dislike Rudy Gobert, and I think he's a very good defensive player. But at that price tag, he's just not worth it. It's like the same way that we look at Ennis Cantor. It's like, yeah, he's got his, he's got his defensive faults, but – Overall, he's a very good rebounder. He's I just said this. Expect. I said this on Twitter um, yesterday, mm-hmm. actually, during a, a conversation. It was, it was a debate, but it was very friendly. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely something I said where I said that Rudy Gobert is just a bigger, more defensively minded Ennis Cantor. <laughs> which is <laughs> a stretch, <laughs> but it's... It's not that much of a stretch, which is the sad thing. And the worst thing is, I think Cantor's got a bit more of an offensive repertoire. People like him more. <laughs> yeah, he's far more likable. But I do feel like Rudy Gobert's just... He's solid defensively in large part due to his size. Mm-hmm. He's... Don't he get me wrong. Right. Yeah, he, he plays the seams really well. He understands when to get in the passing lanes. He understands where to be in order to change a player's shot. So he understands the defensive end of the game really well. But he doesn't have the physical tools to play a switch everything system. And Brad Stevens likes to employ a switch everything system, and it works. The way when you see Jason Tatum running cross court to challenge a shot, and Kemba Walker being hid somewhere down low for, because the ball's nowhere near the weak side big, it makes sense. The way Brad does this, you can't hide a guy like Kemba who's going to get exposed on defense, who teams want to headhunt out when you're not able to switch every player on that floor. So by adding a defensive kingpin like Gobert, you're actually allowing Walker to get exposed more, especially during the postseason, because where do you hide him? Because you can't switch Gobert, because Gobert can't keep up with freeze and force. He has to sag off. So that lack of switchability actually hinders other members of the team because it's much more difficult to put them in a position to be hidden on defense. You can put Kemper on the five, who's on the weak side block with Jason Tatum on the high helpline reading the passing lane to that big, knowing that they're going to try and force it to the big to mismatch the Kemba. You can hide him there because you can read and react and you can kind of force the ball over to where you want it to be because of the way you position your players. You add Gobert into that. Where are you putting Kemba? How are you hiding Kemba if you can't switch Gobert? It doesn't make sense for me personally. Yeah, well, if you look at a lot of the contenders, or the teams that you consider contenders in the NBA, they have gradually shifted away from paying big men a lot of money. It's gradually changed. Over the past 
five to seven years, it's been a, a gradual shift away from the classic traditional big man. And the kind of guys that you have out there are guys who are on small contracts, who grab boards, and were able to run the floor. Some of them can hit three, some of them can't. But, but if the big team, yeah. The bigs that have continued to get paid are the bigs that have figured out how to become three point shooters. Blake Griffin is a prime example. Oh, I wouldn't mind paying him if there were any. The only thing that would make me hesitate health concerns. Is, oh, dude, huge injury concerns. He's a very likable player. I mean, yeah, but I feel he, bad with the Clippers how they treated him, but. He developed such a good three-point game that um, not this season just gone, but last year mm-hmm. he was like he was into. There was a point where people were talking about MVP. Most like he really was a phenomenal outside threat, and he still has the athleticism to do those dunks when he needs to. But he, the way he's changed his game has added longevity to his career. It's he's more relevant in the modern game because he can do everything. Um, yeah. Brooke Lopez, is, yeah. again, is another guy who's added longevity. Now, if you want to wax lyrical about Blake, go for it. Did I like Blake Griffin? <laughs> yeah, I like Blake a lot, okay? It's just, so his game, like when you think about Blake Griffin, I think about these high athletic dunks just absolutely destroying the rim. And that's what he was. He was part of that Lob City trio that they had for the Clippers, which included him, DeAndre Jordan, and you had CP3. Now, none of those guys are Clippers. DeAndre Jordan's getting, I mean, compared to what he was getting before, he's getting paid chump change with the Nets. You've got Blake Griffin still with Detroit, at least for what might be the rest of this season. I'm not sure, depending on the NBA outcome. And you've got CP3 having a renaissance year that no one really saw coming with the Thunder. So it's just interesting to see how that kind of panned out. But Blake Griffin was one of those guys that, until he developed that three-point shot, he was a guy who went at the rim. He worked in the paint. He used his athleticism to punish players. But as you said, with all of his health concerns, him developing a three-point shot is just going to allow him to try and continue his career further. If he's losing that athletic step, if he's able to hit threes and handle the ball like he still is able to right now, it's adding a completely different dimension to his game. It just makes him all the more dangerous. But those are the sort of bigs that I'm a fan of. And now I'm not saying you can run Blake Griffin primarily at the five. That's not what I'm alluding mm-hmm. to at all. Uh, please don't get that twisted. What I'm alluding to is <laughs> a big man that can stretch the floor like that is a big man that's going to get paid well. He's going to, because he fits the modern era. And if you can excel at that as well as doing all the other things you want from a big man, which is run the rim running transition, change shots down in the paint, you know, make guys um, opt out, bail out of a drive because they're scared of getting blocked. They're scared of going up against somebody who's tough down low. But then that's what you're paying a big man for. Now, when he can pick and pop from deep, when he can pass as well, when you can run a pick and roll and have him then go straight into a dribble handoff or hit a cross-course skip pass or whatever it may be. The dimensions that that sort of player adds to your offense is payable. Rudy Gobert can't do that. I can't imagine Rudy Gobert running a dribble handoff at the top of the key unless he's instantly going into a hard roll towards the hoop, at which point you've got two options. You've got, you're going to try and pass it over the defense. You're going to try and throw a lob, or you're going to have to drive yourself to try and create that pocket pass or that passing lane to get the ball to Gobert on a block. 
If he could hit threes, that would be unstoppable. That would be different. That would be like Manu'd ball, dude. Like, just incredible. If you look at cleaning the glass, if you have a subscription to cleaning the glass and you go to Rudy Gobert's shooting accuracy, they don't even have percentages for his three-point attempts because he just doesn't shoot enough of them for it to be worth. Um, oh, in fact, bear in mind on his career, he's a zero percent three point shooter. He just doesn't. In that soft basketball reference, too, he just does not take threes ever. He's not I even bothered money, about it. I would seriously bet money that he would develop a three point shot this summer, based on the situation that's happening with the Jazz right now. Because I don't know who's gonna take him with that contract right now. The only situation, and mind you, this is from a Celtics fan perspective. The only situation that I see him ending up in Boston is if Gordon Hayward wants out and there's some kind of, like, I don't think Hayward would go back to the Jazz. I think Hayward would go to a different team and there would be some kind of three-team trade. This is me just throwing darts at a board. I don't think this is going to happen, nor do I want it to happen. But that's the only world I can see him ending up here. And even then, it involves a massive overhaul of what we've established. As the more important question that I've got, and I've been asking myself, and I tend to ask myself this whenever a trade, um, a trade rumor or trade talks on Twitter or anywhere seem to flare up. The first question I ask myself, and this is what I base the rest of my opinion on, is: Is that player? Can that player be a primary option? or a solid contributor to a title-winning team? If I can't answer it, not with the Celtics, just in general, could you see a team winning an NBA championship with Rudy Gobert as their five? If you can't answer yes to that, then what's the point in making the trade? Because I can't, because he, he makes teams too predictable. He makes teams have to... He's, they've got, that's route one every time. You have to feed it into Gobert, or he has to clear the lane, at which point you lose him on offense. And if you have him on defense, then you can't switch the way you need to. Especially in a league that likes small ball now and switchability on players. I personally don't see Gobert as a championship level centerpiece. I just don't, I, whether you agree or not, but that's the question I want, for, I want you to answer. Do you think Gobert would elevate the Celtics or any other team at the moment that had have the ability to trade for him? Would he elevate them to title contenders? I don't see any team picking him up. I mean... I think in a vacuum, looking at Gobert's skill set, it's like, why wouldn't he want him? But then you, you involve the price tag. You look at the direction that the NBA is going in. If a team were to pick him up, they would have to be scheme-wise, flying in the face of everything else that the league is trying to do. Example of that would be the Pistons going ahead and moving Andre Drummond. Finally, after all these years, they move him to, ah, oh, poor guy, got sent to the Cavs. But they're finally moving away from having that rim protector, that rebound monster, that absolute block machine. Because he can't play in the modern NBA and he's not worth that price tag. Who is going to go ahead and absorb Rudy Gobert's $25 million cap hit this year and $27 million cap hit next year? It, it, it's going to have to be a bad team or a team that says, we want to take a chance on this guy. Or if he starts posting, you know, videos of himself in a gym, alone in a hoodie, shooting he'd, threes or something. He'd fit well in Charlotte. <laughs> oh, geez. No, Look seriously, seriously. I mean, PJ Washington's a sharpshooter. You need him on a team where the the wings are more offensively minded and they're a little bit more lackluster on defense, so you don't want them switching. 
So a team like Charlotte, where you've got PJ Washington, Devontae Graham, and Terry Rozier, they're all capable on defense, but none of them are studs. Bring in Rudy Gobert, and now they're, the offensive weapons can be more offensive-minded because you've got Gobert to, to mop up anything that they let get past them down low. To me, a team like that would work far better than a team like Boston. I think you need to also surround him with shooters and guys who can switch on defense so he's not he's not dependent or he's not being dependent on to be able to switch defensively. Like, he can play good help defense, but I don't think he's going to be, as you said, the guy who's going to be able to play in a pick-and-roll situation. He's not going to be able to defend that as well as he could. But that's I, enough about Gobert. I feel like, look... <laughs> I don't want him on the Celtics. I don't care what happened with him and the microphones and stuff. Not that I don't care. That's a bad way of putting it. I don't think his basketball ability should be judged on a bad judgment call. No. Um, so in my, I kind of keep those two things separate. A bad judgment call, we all make them. Every one of us here has done stuff that we wish we could change. For him, that's just going to be one of those things that he's remembered for. Unfortunately, he's in the limelight far more than what the rest of us are. Um, in terms of basketball, I just don't think he's a fit for Boston. So what we're going to do is we're going to head off the break because I'm hella thirsty. All this chocolate dude got me hella thirsty. And then um, when we come back, we're going to do a few questions that I've got prepared for Tim and then we're going to wrap it up and then we're going to come up with some ideas for later in the week. I needed that drink, man. I feel good now. I feel hella refreshed. So, Tim, I've got a few questions for you. I'll probably run for about another 10 minutes or so, and then, you know, we'll say our goodbyes to these fine people. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So, I've purposely, <laughs> guys, I haven't gave Tim any of these questions because I want his reactions to be honest and on the spot. It's kind of weird treating this like it's the end of the season, but at the moment, I don't know what else to do. Um, I doubt it will be the end. I hope it will be, won't be the end of the season. I don't think it will be. But for now, we're just gonna. I'm gonna fire these questions at him anyway. So I digress. Tim, first question being, favorite dunk from the start from a Celtics player this season. Honestly, it's either gonna be the Jalen Brown dunk on LeBron during the Lakers game, or it's gonna be any of the various dunks that Javante Green laid down in the middle of transition. Javante Green's one of my favorite dunkers that we have on the Celtics. It's probably been one of my favorite dunkers since we probably had Gerald Green on the team I think because he just just throws it down it's like the one thing that I consistently can depend on Javante Green for is just dunks on dunks on dunks the transition god we've got the drip Absolutely. god in <laughs> who is it is Vincent Poirier is the drip king right yes and then we've got the transition god in Javante Green okay so next question would be best win of the year Best win? That's what I said. I got to go Clippers, man. That, that game versus the Clippers was incredible. Not only to be at, but that double overtime win, it just – it was just a special moment. We, we got to see Jason Tatum really just take control of a game and just be absolutely lights out during, down the stretch. And we've seen it before, but this was different. This was against – Kawhi Leonard this was against Paul George this was against a team that was labeled to be the champions before the season started everyone picked them as the title favorites 
and to have them come into our building and go ahead and, and do what he did at such a young age, it's going to be scary to see what he can do in a few years once he really develops his game, figures out where he needs to go. Outside of that, I'd probably say that drubbing in the Lakers. Yeah, whenever you beat the Lakers, it has to be one of the best. Absolutely, especially if you beat them by double digits. Oh, God, don't, don't do it to me. Worst loss of the year. And there's been a few. I think one of the more frustrating ones, I'm going to say that game against Brooklyn. In Boston, when Kyrie didn't play, or this is Utah. I, I think it's got to be that game Brooklyn because the Celtics had this lead going on in the fourth quarter, and then they just absolutely threw it away. I think it was LaVert who went off and just had like an absurd fourth quarter. They ended up tying it. It went to overtime, and then the Celtics ended up losing. That was one of the more upsetting games because it was a game in hand. It was a game they should have won, especially when you look at the net situation. They didn't have Kyrie playing, and, of course, Kevin Durant's not playing. That was a game that was very winnable. Outside of that, I would probably say the overtime game versus Houston because there was just so many missed shots. But the Nets were a team they should have beat. At least Houston is one of those teams you would consider a contender who is a tough matchup. The Nets are a team that they – they're a French playoff team at best right now. They should have beat them. Favorite rookie? Not the best gotta, rookie, your favorite rookie. My favorite rookie? I got to say Grant. There's so much to like about Grant. It, not just taking it from, like, the best rookie perspective. I do think for us he's probably our best rookie. I think Grant Williams just offers this beautiful brand of basketball where he does everything very well. He, he just contributes on every single level. He's there. He's present. He's always trying to make those right decisions. He's one of those guys that I could see sticking in the league a long time and just being a very good glue guy. I like a Brandon Bass kind of guy. I don't know how his offensive game is going to develop. He's really started to hit the three very well before we had the suspension of play. But he's a guy who does so much defensively and is just such a good locker room presence. It seems like he's just impossible to dislike. He seems like he's a genuinely loved person. I wish him nothing but the best. Best breakout performance of the year. That's breakout performance. Which player put you on notice? Is this just for Celtics? Yes, sir. Say, okay, okay. Um, I want to say that Tatum came versus the Clippers, but I don't want to be repetitive. Uh, Smart setting record for freeze. No, nah, but it was in a loss, though. That's the thing. You know, I think Marcus Smart is very capable of hitting those threes and stuff, so it's Hmm. That's that's a tough one. I honestly would say the Tatum game versus the Clippers, but I don't want to be repetitive. I like Jalen Brown versus the Lakers just because when when Jalen Brown gets in a groove, you know it's good because he doesn't operate off of a lot of looks. His his game is very complimentary. He runs off of other people's success. He runs off of getting the ball after a pass. He's the kind of guy who has quietly been having a very good argument season for most improved player. He's definitely in that conversation. So I think I think that Jalen Brown game versus the Lakers was really, really good. Biggest surprise of the season. Coronavirus can't be your answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to have to go with Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice has been such a nice surprise because I remember going into the season, I was really, really worried about what our situation was at the five. And as much as I wanted the Celtics to make another move to bolster the bench, I think they needed more shooting. I think they needed, you know, another guard who can kind of help them in that department, another big who can maybe help them bolster up their defense. Daniel Tice has just been such a pleasant surprise. His ability to take a small part offensively and make the most out of it, hit his looks, set just solid screens. His screen assist numbers have to be pretty good. And he's just, he's just doing all the little things so well. He's just competing at a very good level. And this is kind of the player that we saw before he ended up tearing his patellar. Because I remember when he went down, I was really, really worried about the Celtics' chances. And ever since he's been back and he got into this groove, he's just taken that role. I, that, that five spot was completely up for grabs when we got into the season. And as Kanner had a chance, a really, really good chance to be a starting five, the one glaring thing is his defense. And Daniel Tysis just managed to come in and just make that position his own. I'm hoping that the Celtics can retain him long-term because the work that he's done at the five has just been outstanding, especially at that pay rate, which is bound to go up a little bit. That's pretty much all the questions I have. Most improved, but it's going to be Brown or Tatum. I think it's got to be Brown, man. He should have gotten that recognition for All-Star. I really do think that, but I understand why he didn't, just because there are so many good wings and guards in the East. But he's just been so stellar. He really deserves an All-Star berth. And this is the issue that I have with contracts. It's just because All-Star berth and All-NBA, it just – it has massive money implications for these players, but Jalen Brown has just been a stud this season, and that's part of the reason why I really, really hope the NBA gets back soon. You see what he's doing for a training regimen these days? No. <laughs> he, he posted like a little brief video. I saw it on Twitter, and it was him running up a set of stairs. And I think it's his grandfather sitting there with like the – not the boxing gloves, but the catching gloves – for, for boxing, so he's like sparring gloves, and so he's punching the gloves, and he's he like Jalen's got these boxing gloves on, and so he's like running up the stairs with the boxing gloves, punch, 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 jab, 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 and then he runs back down the stairs, and then runs back up, and he starts punching the gloves, and he goes back down. That's part of his two training regimen. I mean, you gotta get it in, dude. You gotta do what you gotta do. I know, but it's just it's so impressive, and a lot of these players. I mean, Jason Tatum talked about the fact that he doesn't have a hoop at his house, so. <laughs> I'm hoping that we get back into play sooner rather than later. I expect them to do some kind of bleed off, maybe do seven to 10 games of in-season play before they jump to the postseason. I think we'll see a shortened season for sure, but I think they'll give a couple regular season games and maybe, maybe just maybe we'll see some kind of formatting change in terms of the playoffs. Maybe we'll see a play in for the last couple seeds. So as we're speaking, there's just been a Bleach Report update from Brian Windhorse. Let me put it up. Details, NBA's back-to-basketball plan based on a 25-day return to basketball window. Guys, check that out. It's over on SportsCenter at the moment. I haven't read it. I haven't watched the video, so I don't want to break into this too much. It definitely gives us a topic to cover for Wednesday's episode, though. So what? I want to leave that now. We're going to end the show so I can read read this and speak to people and understand what it means. In sleep. Most importantly, sleep. No sleep. This is important. 
This is far more important than any sleep. I had a five-hour nap, dude. I'm going to wait for the rest of the year. Right. Guys, thank you for listening, Tim. It's always a pleasure, man. Me and myself and Tim. Me, myself and I. Tim and I, however <laughs> you want to put it. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Stay safe. Keep washing those hands. And if you haven't already, make sure to check out the Celtics blogs. Fundraiser, that's the word I was looking for. Make sure to check out the Celtic Blogs fundraiser with the Boston Foundation, helping people affected by COVID-19 and helping give protective equipment to people working in hospitals or just basically giving to people who need it more. If you're you're in a position to give, then please consider doing so. If you're not, then just share the fundraiser on your social accounts. Maybe it will reach somebody that is in a position and willing to do so. Time to band together in everything like this. Until next time when we will be speaking about this Windhorse thing, which I don't know how much credibility it has until I read it, but Brian Windhorse usually carries some weight. Make sure you stay safe, eat that chocolate, don't eat too much because you'll end up taking a big nap. And we'll catch you later in the week. Say bye to. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>